Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. Previously on the Multiverse Blues, we meet Jules, who's chasing a cat who stole their wedding ring, which makes them rethink the idea. Jules' ex-Patrick agrees that it's not the best idea. Jules joins the crew of Hope's Tour, a blues rock band fronted by a beautiful alien, to run away to other universes through the Archnet Gates. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 2, Ramblin' on My Mind I'd better get back to the wedding, said Patrick. You gonna be okay, chicky babe? I sighed at the old endearment, but touched his arm with my fingertips and said, Yes, I think so. Maybe for the first time in years I've got a direction, even if I don't know where it'll lead. You'll keep in touch? His eyes glinted as though he might cry. I nodded. Best I can, anyway. I guess they exchange snail mail over the gates, though I'll have to ask how to address letters. Please don't tell Sam anything, okay? I knew Patrick couldn't keep a secret, not even if his life depended on it. So I added, at least give me a few days head start. He laughed. Yeah, okay. I won't tell anyone where you've gone, just that I ran into you and that you... He left that hanging in the air between us. I finished it for him. That I said I couldn't go through with it and that I'm sorry. Think you'll be back someday? I nodded. Probably. I'll take a look around and see what I can see then maybe come back after I've made my fortune. I stood on my tiptoes to kiss him goodbye. He flushed and stuttered a moment, then turned and left without another word. Harlan, thankfully, had wandered a few polite feet away during this. He held a hand to his ear and spoke into a headset, giving instructions to someone else. I waited, and soon he turned his attention to me again. Well, don't just stand there gopping. Let's see what you can do to earn your keep. Show's almost over. You can help break down and coil up cables. I nodded, and when I didn't go anywhere, he guided me over to the edge of the stage so I could watch the end of the show. I suppose I'd heard of Hope before. I'd seen some ads for her tours in Indianapolis dates recently on social media. I'd seen articles about the alien singing sensation and even a few pictures of her on stage. None of this prepared me for seeing her in real life. She stood in the middle of the stage, perched on a stool on a circular riser. She wore a gauzy, drapey, peach-colored gown of indistinct shape. In place of hair, she wore a similarly gauzy veil that covered the top of her head and her neck. Dozens of thin silver hoops dangled from her wrists and encircled her neck. Her skin was sleek and shiny, a light heather gray in color except for a paler stripe that began under her chin and widened as it traveled down to her chest. Hope's eyes were large, dark, and wide-set on her head, and set back from a smooth muzzle containing pointed teeth. From my vantage, to the side and behind her, I saw what I thought was a third leg peeking out from under her gown. I soon realized the leg spread to wide, thin tail flukes. Her appearance struck me as alien and strange, but rather than shocking or repulsive, I found her to be beautiful beyond describing. Her graceful movements as she sang transfixed me. More powerful by far than her physical presence was the spell cast by her ethereal voice. She sang into a handheld mic, and somehow she sounded like several people singing in harmony. The trills and mournful runs she put into her song plugged directly into my emotions. One moment my heart soared to unimagined heights, 
then plummeted down, down into the lonesome depths that brought more tears flowing from me. She evoked in me the feeling of being further from home than I could imagine. This reminded me I no longer had a home myself. Yep, that's her magic, all right, said Harlan, whom I'd forgotten. I'd tell you that you'll get used to it after a dozen or a hundred shows, but I'd be lying. I never have, and I've been working with Hope more than years than anyone on the crew. She's not from around here, I said, trying to regain my cool. Yeah, it's not my story to tell, but Hope's from beyond the archnet. Probably why she's got a collection of lost souls on her crew. Like me, I said, cold loneliness growing in my chest. Seems that way. Our Miss Jasmine knows how to pick them. Hope wound up the sad ballad with a vocal flourish, then stood to thunderous applause. Will there be any encores, I asked, watching the drummer and bass guitarist stand and bow behind Hope. Nope, uh-uh, she never does encores. Well, almost never. Never mind that now. We gotta strike the set and get loaded up to go. Got a show in Gamma in the morning, and it's a long ways from the arch. The lights went down on the stage, and I followed Harlan out, feeling rather conspicuous in my white suit and heels. I shadowed him, disconnecting and coiling up audio cables and moving instruments and set pieces off the stage. The crowd stomped and cheered for more, and for a moment I worried there might be a riot until Hope took the mic once more, unaccompanied, and sang a sweet little goodbye song that reminded me of a lullaby. The fans cheered and accepted this as final and began filtering out the exits. Down a short hallway from the stage was a loading dock. We loaded the equipment into the cavernous storage compartment at the rear of the largest tour bus I'd ever seen. The words La Esperanza were emblazoned upon the sides of the massive vehicle. As we loaded, everyone but Hope helped out. I didn't get a chance to get names, but a smile and a nod from Harlan was all it took for the others to accept me as part of the team. The drummer insisted on handling his own drum kit as he packed it away in a particular way. He wore faded jeans, clumpy combat boots, and a venerable ACDC shirt of design I'd not seen before. Despite his casual attire, his hair was elegantly styled, and his subtle makeup was at least as well done as my own. The bass guitarist wore a breathtaking, deeply cut, silver-frosted black gown being held on by the thinnest of spaghetti straps. She gave me a secret little wink as I helped her stow her instruments. Deeply tan, with waist-length shiny black hair, she was even shorter than me, but at least as strong. A rather tall and sturdy woman helped with packing La, La Esperanza. She wore an orange and lime fluorescent pantsuit of unknown material. Her light brown hair swung at chin length and in a neat bob cut. She carried some sort of thick tablet with a keyboard on a crossbody strap, and every so often she tapped on the keys. LED lights flashed on the device, seeming like an old 80s movie prop more than a practical modern device. Something about the way she interacted with the others fairly shouted management, but she still did her fair share of physical labor along with the others. Meanwhile, the cat Jasmine sat off to one side, watching us work. As we shut the transport's hatch, Harlan asked the manager lady, Ms. Davenport, did we get the goods packed? She nodded and eyed me all packed up and ready for Gamma. Is this the new Zane? Harlan invited me with a gesture to step up. Yep, Jules here is one of Jasmine's strays. Ms. Davenport offered a hand to me and I took it. Marcy Davenport, to our manager. 
Despite the work, her hand sat cool and firm within my own for a long moment. I said, Jules Martin, jack of all trades, looking for a ticket off world and a job if everything works out. Her orange painted lips quirked in the smallest of smiles. If Jazzy thinks you're okay, that's good enough for us. Stay on as long as you like, if you always work hard as I've seen so far. Hope breezed past us at one point, but didn't stop to chat as she climbed into the passenger entrance to the giant bus. Marcy must have noticed my expression because she said, Don't worry. She's always like this right after a show. I don't think she saves anything for herself. She's friendlier when you get to know her. Come on, let's let's rock and roll. We all filed into La Esperanza, whose main cabin turned out to be a cozy living space with two facing couches and some screens. There was also a kitchenette with a couple of booths and tables. A steep staircase led upwards in one corner. Hope was not in this main area as I entered, but everyone else plopped down on the couches. I sat down next to Harlan. I deposited my purple backpack at my feet, suddenly uncomfortably aware that it now contained everything that I could call my own. I would like a vanilla cone, love, said the bass player, her words lilting with a faint Spanish-sounding accent. Her eyes scanned me from my head to my toes and back up again. A slow, sly smile spread from her lips to light up her whole face. The temperature of the bus went up by several degrees all at once. Maybe it was only me. In this flustered state, I could only reply, Huh? Your ice cream suit, baby, it's delicious, she went on, fluttering her glossy black lacquered nails as though casting a spell on me. Oh, this, I said, smoothing out my ivory slacks. I had uh, more formal plans, but Jasmine brought me here instead. I can go change, I said, rising to my feet. Jasmine appeared out of nowhere to curl up where I'd just been sitting. She shut her eyes and began the important business of catnapping. No, no, you're delightful. Don't ever change, she said. I'm Babs, by the way. I stood there feeling foolish. Jules, pleased to meet you, Babs. Harlan clapped the drummer on the back and said, This here's Dribbler, finest drummer and drinker I've ever known. Stolen from Gamma's best rock band last year. Dribbler snorted and produced a flask from somewhere. He tipped it back and offered it to me. I accepted, then regretted it after a sip of cherry-flavored gasoline burned its way down to smolder in my stomach. Dribbler went on, don't listen to Harlan. He wouldn't know good rock if it fell on his head. Rad zone ain't bad, but I got tired of disaster rock. I wanted to diversify. Ain't much more diverse than Hope's tour. Get changed if you want. Might as well get comfortable, said Ms. Dravenport. She jutted a chin at the stairs. Bunks are upstairs if you're shy. Yours will be the vacant one, last one on the left. As I ascended the stairs, the bus began a low humming, which I took to be engines, though they didn't sound like diesel to me. Electric, maybe? Like a low-ceiling train sleeper car, I found the upstairs a bit more cramped. Several doors lined the narrow hallway on either side. Curtains hid the furthest forward compartment. I peeked behind the curtains, expecting a dressing room, but instead found a forward observation lounge. It could seat four people if they were very friendly. The heavily tinted windows revealed the lights of Indianapolis as the bus wound its way around the city streets toward the Arch Authority. I also found Hope, draped across one of the couches, wearing some kind of scuba-like coverall. Her hands turned out to be mittens, her feet toeless splayed pads, her tail curled around her, and it flapped idly. 
She radiated elegance, even in her exhausted pose. Her eyes caught mine, and she drew in a sharp breath. Oh, I'm sorry, I cried. I didn't mean to intrude. She shook her head. No, La Esperanza is for all of us, not just me. She made music even with her speaking voice. Her words sung with a beautiful trill. I just needed time alone after a show. I nodded. I'll just change out here. Don't mind me, I said. Hope favored me with a beautiful, shy, alien smile. Welcome to my crew, Jules. May we each find the best of all possible worlds. I had no idea what to say to that cryptic greeting, so I just smiled and withdrew. There turned out to be a small but serviceable bathroom with a shower. I took advantage of these facilities with indulgent gratitude. Once I'd dried off, I slipped into a baggy green sweater tunic and black leggings with silver Converse sneakers. I thanked my earlier foresight to pack a carry-on for the overnight. I had a couple of more outfits inside my backpack, along with a couple weeks' worth of other necessities. I tossed my backpack and ice cream suit and heels into the bunk Ms. Davenport had indicated. It still said Zane on the door. I descended the stairs and was greeted by applause from the others, much to my surprise. I stopped and blinked at them. Congratulations, baby, you, you passed the first test, purred Babs. If you can shower while the bus is moving, that says a lot about you. Ms. Davenport added, that and you've got better hygiene than most of the crew. Hey, protested Dribbler when Marcy's eyes fell on him. I'm just about conserving water, that's all. The bus came to a stop and a voice like someone gargling a hive of bees spoke over the bus's intercom. The Transportation and Security Administration requests that all sentient beings disembark for processing and so that they may search our vehicle. As one, the crew groaned. Harlan told me, Sometimes they give us a pass, since hope's a big deal and all. Not this time. A cold lump formed in my stomach. Uh, I still don't have a passport. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.